Welcome to another episode of Teachers in the Dungeon. Join hosts Tom and Dan as they break down the campaigns they create and play, sharing memorable successes and unforgettable failures of players and the DM, as well as discussing a variety of D&D-related topics. So, grab your dice and grab some fun. It's time for Teachers in the Dungeon. Yo, ho, ho, it's time to go. Welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom with Dan, and we are the Teachers in the Dungeon. We're so happy you've joined us today, and thank you for your support. Be sure to let us know what you think about today's show. Our contact information and social media are in the show notes. Okay, let's delve into the dungeon. I could never do as well introducing them as they can introduce themselves. So I'll let them introduce themselves and their characters, and then we'll get to the conversation. Chris Metz. During the campaign, I play Rix Maddie, who is a, well, he's a tiefling, well, sailor, probably. Uh, he's a sorcerer, um, but it actually took everybody a long time to believe him. He is a pirate without a ship, and... Uh, to say he's impulsive is probably an understatement. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. And I'm Mark Kugler, and I play Derishley. He's a wood elf ranger, and he's pretty laid back. Uh, not laid back, I guess, but he's very quiet. And he stays kind of in the background, um, but he gets kind of bored and will rush into things and just open doors and kind of hangs around with Rick's a little bit. He likes his impulsiveness it amuses it amuses Dirichlet quite a bit I think taciturn would be a good vocabulary yeah that is one yes I was gonna say laid back I don't know if I'd go yeah, that route but taciturn I'm yeah. all in on that one all right so like I said we're gonna talk about Telesaria part of our adventure which was early on in the group we were about third level if uh, we're recalling uh, correctly I guess I want to start off by saying, what are some highlights or lowlights that uh, you experienced in the Telesaria? And we can go two different ways on this. Talk about the highlights or lowlights as uh, Rix and Derishle, but also don't forget as a player at the table in the, in the gameplay. Do either one of you have uh, something to, to add into that, either as player or character? Well, as, as Rick's, um, the way it was described to me, like Telesaria, it was like, hey, we're just going to really tie you in. We're going to, hey, this is the amount of money that you need. You can get a ship with this money. Like, this is definitely a place that you need to travel. So, like, it was like hook, line, and sinker. Rick's was like, I'm, I'm there. I don't care what's there. I don't care I got to fight. Like, let's go. And originally would have just kind of followed along with that. Just he was out looking for adventure. And... You know, there wasn't anything that really drew him in that said, oh, that's where I want to go there. But as we went through, there were things that drew him in. He liked the forest. Uh, there was a very nice forest. And <laughs> things that went through, uh, that we went through and he saw, he liked those 
the environment more than anything else, probably. Yeah, and then, and probably just as a player, I'm sitting here trying to just like soak up anything and everything that like I feel like, hey, this 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 was homebrewed. I know it was. Like I'm trying to soak up all these details, and as a character who doesn't care about the details, as a player to be like, okay, I I'm really trying. And I want to remember all this stuff, but my character doesn't necessarily buy in or care about those things. You do that really well, um, and, and we've talked about that, uh, how, how your character is, is not you. <laughs> and, and tell us a little bit about, like, how do, you, how do you go about, like, in your preparation for the game, how do you make sure that Chris doesn't come through as Rick's? Because Rick's is very different than you. Well, I started um, doing this at the end of a session. Between one session and the next, I would sit down and I would write down Rick's crazy ideas. And so I would come to every gameplay with like, hey, here's a list of four or five crazy ideas that if they come up, we're going for it. And then the rest of the time, it's just looking for an opportunity to just kind of commit. We, it happened when we met Marley, something about the fact that Dan put all this description specifically in that character. He knew what color hair she had, and he, maybe he was just making up on the spot, but I just kind of was like, yep, this character is important. I want to know more. Like, there's a reason that he already knows this much. Whether there was or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that's just something Rick's just decided. This person's important. We've talked about that. That, that actually was probably the single pivotal event <clears throat> that forced me to think bigger than a one-shot or extended one-shot. Mm-hmm. And so wondering who Marley was, because I described her just because I thought it was cool and I wanted to add flavor, and and then when Rick's decided he was in, infatuated with her, then I was like, oh, oh I, I have to come up with something more here. <laughs> so that is what led on, and from there it just kind of led me on down to the story that, that came out. So it was really kind of kind of exciting to see that unintended interplay kind of build something bigger. And Mark, we're not gonna say that you're taciturn, so okay. how do you prepare to <laughs> how how do you typically prepare for uh, for gameplay for Dervishle? I don't know if I there's anything well as I've, we've gone along, because that was still pretty early and we were still kind of figuring yeah. everything out. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I don't know if I was really preparing anything for Dirichle. It was just I had this idea in my head of I want, I want him to act a certain kind of way and I just kind of try to do that and whether it's something and commit to that as we're playing the game. Mm-hmm. This is how he is. This is how he would play the game. How he would play out this situation. And whether I know better or not, that's that's what I do. Yeah. Do you feel like the the interplay with Zedai's character intensified any of those reactions in Dirichlet? Probably. Yeah. It, it just there are certain things there that just kind of led him to be a certain kind of way. And right. so Zedai, of course, is a you know heroic paladin, mm-hmm. Captain America type. So it was. At, from my viewpoint, as the DM, it was fun to see Dirichlet just stick a pin in that balloon whenever he could, yeah. in a very quiet way. In a quiet way. <laughs> it's not that Dirichlet wants bad things to happen. It just 
doesn't necessarily follow all those lawful, this is what you have to do and this is how you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to make, you know, a different kind of choice to get to the end. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Dan, this was your first foray for our group as yes. a DM, and I don't know where that stands in your experience of, of oh, DMing. First, first DMing ever. Okay. Yeah. And so there were some there were some certain things that you did along the way uh, that that I think made it fun and uh, very visual. You started with a really detailed map of Telesaria that had, you know, every single building. We've talked about this, and I kind of want to get your, uh, the two of you, your reaction of that. But not only that, but there are also days that we would show up, and the, the, like, the game room would be decorated, or where it, during gameplay, Dan would open up the cooler and get the glasses out, and it's like, what is going on here? And so just kind of wondering what your reactions as players were to those sort of uh, gameplay uh, styles as the DM, or from the DM. I really liked, as, as a player, I really enjoyed that. I, it's the storytelling aspect of the whole campaign that, you know, as a player drew me in. And it was always fun, and I wanted to get involved in it and see where it was leading. Because it, mm -hmm. you know, left me at the end of a session... Wanting, wanting to be back for more. So that was always, all those little details that were added in and all the fun parts, that's what really yeah. drew me in as a player. And, and I know I felt like, because my first experience DMing, I kind of built this giant sandbox and I kind of felt like the same thing had happened. But I had done, worked through it with my players and kind of realized, yeah, that was too big, right? I had too many different directions. I had too much time that they could spend in this world that was just leading us to, you know, the next adventure. And I think sometimes I kind of looked at that as like the same thing where like, this is a really cool experience. Let's hope we're not in a hurry to do anything. Right. Because uh, it, it, there were times when we, we did all these other cool things, but if you were the guy that was sitting there waiting to just, you know, hit something with the sword, you're just sitting there going like, come on, come on. But I think it, it grew our group in terms of the role playing and, mm -hmm. and through those sessions I watched, Ricks would say, like, I had a bad influence on some of the characters. <laughs> um, and he kind of appreciated the fact that he could see some of those changes, maybe in Drishle or Kersis or, or something like that. But as, as a player, I watched it like, oh, we are finding ourselves, both in the battles and in, you know, outside of them, which and, was really cool. And building on that, I'll say, yeah, first coming into this and like this was still early when we were doing this yeah it's like oh let's let's do the battles let's go let's fight let's fight let's fight because that's what but then as we were forced to kind of do as we're not kind of do but as we were forced to do the role playing i think that really came out as a lot of fun and we've had sessions where we didn't have any battles i think and it was just as much fun and just as enjoyable mm -hmm. as it's safe to say huge battles i i hope to return to telesaria i feel like there's so much there still right let's take a quick break and we'll come back and i want to talk more about telesaria itself as far as when you say you know there's so much more to telesaria i'm curious as to like what caught your eye or what what has interested you on that? So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. See you soon. 
And we're back. Uh, we're meeting with the, the players who played Dirichlet and Ricks. That's uh, Mark Kugler and Chris Metz. And we've been talking about the, the Telesaria adventure. Chris, you said that, that you, would, you really would like to have the opportunity at some point to come back to Telesaria. What was it that drew you to that? Is there something specific, a storyline, or, um, or anything like that? Well, I, I think there's two specific things that happened. So I have written down in my notes that there is this is a place where these two rivers meet. And I remember like going like, hey, DM, what's down this river? He's like, oh, you can't go there. It's too small, right? <laughs> and it was like, like, no, you're not going there. Go that direction. And I was, and so I'm like, all right, obviously there's something here, but okay, we'll go this to the left, not to the right. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and then we were, it was described as a new military zone. Uh, yes. And and the, the Viscount was um, in this Indigo Palace and there were lots of little clues that like, uh, silver and indigo like was like really really important we came across a lot of people like that and then we left and i'm like i still don't understand what that's about like what why is there a new you know militarized zone mm -hmm. and then we just kind of went well that's not important right now so we got more important things to do right and for the play as as ricks it was like cool marley's leaving i'm going to so that was kind of easy in, in terms of the character side yeah I was going to ask, Dan, that is one question that has sat in the back of my mind on, on the military side of things. Because if I remember right, there, wasn't there a story of, like, two, two nations at war or something? Is, is that still something that's out there? Or is that a story you set up thinking maybe we'd go that way? And then, like, where does that, where do, I, where does that go? I don't want to give the answer because it's not nearly as interesting as what you guys have thought. That's <laughs> 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 what I love, uh, the it, it all focused on that city was called Pascutar, so that city was threatened with undead because of increased activity in Telesaria that you went and took care of. Mm -hmm. And the color scheme was supposed to reflect the gems yeah. that mm -hmm. you discovered. So there's a, a, a tie in there. It was just to kind of maybe deepen the mythos of those gems that you found. Oh, okay. So, so in that sense, yes, there certainly could be more. As the bigger story grew, this place was sort of on the fringe of what else was going on. But with the hornet's nest you guys kicked up in various places after that, mm. yeah, you might, you might be heading back there, but it might not look like what you left. Oh, okay. That's for sure. <laughs> Are there any memorable moments of the adventure in Telesaria that come to mind when you think of it. Like, we talked about how, I don't know why this is such a memorable moment, because it was so insignificant to the story, but when Borm went on his own, right when we got to the city, he went to that little tavern, and there was no purpose to it whatsoever, except that we were looking for, we were looking for something in a tavern, but this clearly wasn't it. But I just, I hung on, and, I, and, and, and even though it was made clear that it was not good ale, Borum kept buttering up the, the, the person working. And so tell me more about, you know, all that kind of, are there any moments like that, that, that really stand out in your mind that where you took some risks or you, you, you just went all in and either it was really successful or it ended up in a dead end. It was here where we found the bard, right? The bard came and visited us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, that one for me, I, I, just because 
We went full on... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? We Distrustful of this guy. He came in in the middle of the night. He could have been a great, great guy at the time. We, don't, we didn't know. But full on distrust all the way through. And, you know, it was just... How would it have turned out different if we would have behaved different towards him? You know, it, yeah. because that was one of those things. And that's probably... For me, one of the biggest ones, because he, he gave us a couple of gifts or something, but it was just like, mm, okay, here you go, and wandered on his way. Yep. And just to see how that would have turned out differently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Borum, Borum's soul is still <laughs> scarred by that. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. It's funny that that's something that sticks out. Yeah. So. I, I know one kind of risk that I took as a player is I knew that Ricks was like, he was introducing himself as the leader, right? And so in, in one of the battles, I tried to press the issue and I was like, okay, Ricks is going to like command somebody and see, like press the thing. And so I actually yelled at Drishley. I'm like, Drishley on me. And I go storming into a room. And like, as a player, I like immediately regretted the decision to do that. Right. Yeah, Rick's probably would have done that. But I, in the moment, it was like, yeah, you don't want to be the player at the table that's trying to tell everybody else what to do. And so, like, internally, I was as a player, I'm like, oh, man, I shouldn't do that. But then, like, externally, I'm like, OK, Rick's would do that. And then the battle turns out the way it, it does. And I promise Drishley to never do it again. And then I'm like, no, I'm just going to turn it into like an ongoing joke. Then Drishley would never believe you about that anyway. He would just, he just, it's like, yeah, that's Rick's. That's what he does. And I think that's, I mean, I think mm -hmm. you really are the catalyst for us learning how to role play all of this stuff. Because I remember things like that. And I, I remember thinking entirely, everybody can just say no. <laughs> they don't have to do what you say. And, yeah. mm -hmm. and Drishley is probably going to be one of those people that's going to say no. Sometimes. Other times they'll <laughs> do it just because, you know. And it's entertaining, so yeah. and that's what Jerusalem likes sometimes, just to be entertained. So, <laughs> and that is so true. It is, yeah. I never, I, I've, and I've said this several times. I never know what to expect from Rick's. When actually, I we probably should know exactly what to expect from you, but you always seem to do the unexpected, and that's what's so enjoyable um, about Rick's. So maybe you don't want to share this yet, because obviously these are characters we still play. These are adventures that are still going on. But are you able to share with us the whole pilot and captain story? And it's okay to say no. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think that uh, some of those details, the story he would tell you is ah. that he was captain of a ship and it was mutinied against by his crew because they were given an ultimatum by a group of... Uh, Merfolk and Marrow that said, either give us your captain or uh, we're going to take you all. And, um, he, and he took it a bit personal, to say the least. Um, although, as a character, he's a sorcerer. And he never acts like he's the squishiest character in the group. So, I'm as a player, I am putting his life on the line constantly. We're talking about level three. I'm, I looked. I had 16 hit points the entire time we're in Telesaria. <laughs> right? And he's, it, I mean, in the way that he puts himself in the middle of those fights, like, I've been very lucky to still have Ricks. <laughs> putting yourself on the line, I would say, is 
is about the least you could say <laughs> about Ricks. He is, yeah, you're always stepping into it. I guess, and as, as a player, but also Borm as a character, I forget that. I forget that you're a sorcerer. And I think over time, and as we move further into our, the adventures, it's hard to see him just as a sorcerer. Yeah, I, I see you more as a as a as a rapscallion, as a pi as a pirate, and less and less as a sorcerer. But it's really funny though. He puts his, himself. Rick's puts himself out there in the middle of this stuff. But I would say that I think everybody in the party, and this is at different times, not just in Telesaria. Mm -hmm. We would have probably all died if it hadn't been for Rick's at different times because he's got these healing things that he comes in keeps us from dying uh, somehow. I have, I have a healing kit. That's yeah. about it. Well, or you've had <laughs> healing potions. That, that different things. He just, it's a, yeah. I don't know how he does this, but mm -hmm. he manages to not let us die. So, to, to, moving on to the story itself of Telesaria, were there any places, I know for myself, there were places where I was just absolutely stumped. I, I really had no idea what the next step was. And when I'm thinking, like, we moved to the city when we first got there and went to a tavern because we we're supposed to find the tavern with the best ale, I think. And then, this is not going to be chronological, there was the, the banking system mm -hmm. and that temple. And then we were to cross a river, and then there was the Temple of the Many Doors. And is there Was there a name for that? I, I know I there was. Okay. And so, was there anything along the way that, as a player, or I guess as a, as a character, but probably as a player for me, that stumped you? The Temple of the Doors, and at first with that, that was just trying to figure out all that was there. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've looked at my notes, and there's stuff about the Blood Wolf and things like that. And, you know, there were right. just these clues, and I didn't have, at the time... I probably hadn't been taking good enough notes to really pay attention to things, mm -hmm. to know what was going on there. And so, just, yeah, trying to get all of that and mm -hmm. figure those kinds of things out. Um, and I don't know, at the end, when we got there and we closed that portal that was there, as a player, I think I understood what was going on, but as a character, you know, Dirichlet looked at it and like, okay, what was that all about? And it kind of, <laughs> you know, it was really confusing so to, yeah. to traditionally for that so okay. Like, okay that's closed here are all these pretty purple and blue gems that we have no idea what they're about or what they do okay yeah. that's great now what yeah so <laughs> yeah i was i was picking up the clues and i was gonna say taking notes didn't help me yeah. <laughs> because i i was picking up clues along the way but i was really struggling to put it piece it together yeah where did you stand on like putting the the mystery together in Telesaria? I, I, I guess I struggled because I didn't know when we were in Telesaria. I mean, how hard is information going to be to get from the DM, right? And so it's like, do I have it all? Hmm. Or, you know, or is there just like he's putting a high DC on finding out this information? And so I, I guess I struggled there a little bit because I'm trying to like learn what where where is that. Right mm -hmm. and and as a character, I can't be the smartest one. I can't be the wisest one. I can't be the one that puts together all the information. This is the Ricks wouldn't do that. Point me in a direction. Let's go, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then kind of like what Marcus said, we get to the end. We have all these blue gems and these purple things, and I'm like, this uh, Laren is that right? Mm -hmm. I, I I even wrote at one point like, can we even trust this guy? 
Because I felt like he was so stingy with what he would tell us. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted more. Like, I felt like, like, this is the perfect guy we can talk to. And he can tell us all this rich history about the area. And I'm like, why is he withholding everything? And like, then he disappears. Oh, I was so mad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I kind of like to go back there just to see, you know, can we find this guy? I want to hunt him down a bit, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I love when the DM is so loquacious and shares so much. Yeah. That, that's great. So I guess as we start to wrap up this episode about Telesaria, from your point of view as players, do you have any final thoughts or anything that's left unsaid about Telesaria that you wanted to talk about? Um, I will say that knowing what I know about uh, the Temple of El Seita now and where that's grown. Like, I think that's a great example of, like, how our our group has grown, Dan's DMing has grown, mm-hmm. the story. Like, to watch what that place is now is so mm-hmm. cool. So mm-hmm. so that'll be cool to kind of people be able to hear, like, as we experience it further on, what happened with this Temple of El Seita and... And and how how what a cool interaction it is now. Cool. So and along those lines, and like what Chris was saying earlier, where we were kind of given this open sandbox, but I do feel like we were given clues and we were pretty. I think Dan pretty much directed us kind of where to go for this first one. He's left it a lot more open ended for us in some ways since then, and just to see how that has gone and. As you go along and probably talk about some of the other things that come up later in this adventure, some of the trouble we got into, you know, <laughs> sure. as a party. and But to see how the party grew and caused all of that, and, you know, this was where that all kind of started to happen and where things started to mesh together. And sure. we were, we got our feet on the ground and really under, understood what was going on then. So. Nice. Well, I agree. I thought that, and through our conversation of this, I thought the party, yeah, the party certainly came together. And and, uh, and we were deep into a mystery, wanting to see how everything came together. So as we wrap up today's show, I want to thank Mark and Chris for joining us today. Yes, thank I'm, you very much. I'm sure that you'll, we'll have you back later on as we continue this story. There's some more adventures you have to illuminate the other side. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so for Dan Reeb, I'm Tom Gross. This is Teachers in the Dungeon. And until next week, try not to roll a natural one. That wraps up today's session. So thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.